Hello, White Sox fans. How you guys doing tonight? Well, welcome to the uh, Matt Foster experience. He is taking over for Johnny Cueto this evening. And I got to say, you know, uh, pretty solid outing from Cueto. What'd you think, Danny? Uh, you know what? I thought it was pretty impressive. He came out, had some really good movement on his pitches, kept guys off balance. And, uh, you know, I know we've talked about this before. Uh, Johnny Cueto has made his uh, first appearance with the White Sox. But uh, that uh, that quick pitch that he uses, it's nasty. Pretty stinking nasty. Yeah. I mean, it is just, it's filthy. He's caught a couple of guys off guard with that. You know, he does, he's got that strange motion where he almost turns around, turns his back to the batter. And he'll do that two or three times to you. And then he gives you that quick snap, no turn, no nothing, just fires a ball off. And you've got no chance of uh, taking a swing at it. So really good, uh, really good outing to see from him tonight. Yeah, I was pretty happy. Um, for those who uh, are here for the first time, uh, welcome to another edition of White Sox Daily Live. Uh, tonight, we just happened to be, uh, I don't know, but we were pretty close on it last week uh, to the seventh inning stretch of the true seventh inning stretch. Um, yeah, uh, Donut says El Huco was dealing, and he was. Um, Indeed. Yeah, you know, it, and it, like the thing is, is that I saw him do it in Charlotte. Uh, he did a lot of, you know, uh, the things that Johnny Cueto does, you know, with the quick pitch, uh, shows you a ton of different looks and mixes speeds really well and just keeps the hitters off balance. And it, it's pretty much exactly what he did tonight. And, uh, you know, I mean, say what you will about the uh, Royals offense. Um. Well, I'll go into that a little bit later, uh, <laughs> as far as the uh, the team offensive stuff. Uh, Listen, the goes, thing is, but... is uh, these these guys are still major league baseball players, and to see Johnny Cueto come out and do what he did tonight, you know, I think seeing what I saw out of him this evening would probably give a lot of major league lineups fits. Uh, as Donuts mentions in the chat. Uh, the two-seamer was coming back nicely, and it was. I mean, he threw a pitch in the – I believe it was the second inning. And I can't remember who he threw it to, but his lefty guy up at the plate, and it looked like he was going to be in on the hands, and it made its way back over to about the heart. The right up, It was upper middle portion of the plate, and it was a beaut. And, uh, you know, you could throw that to uh, probably 95% of the major league hitters out there, and they're not going to do much with it, so – Yep, like you say, say what you say what you want about the uh, the Kansas City offense, but uh, he would have been tough to hit for anyone tonight. Yeah, you know the difference between this and AAA is that for a lot of the guys in AAA that were seeing this for the first time, it was lots of funny looks and just head shaking. Uh, with with these guys, you know, they're they're putting swings on it. I mean, they're not putting good wood on the ball which is awesome um you know it's uh last year Cueto uh I believe he was seven and seven with like a 435 ERA or somewhere close to that so if he can provide you know something 
you know, I granted he did shut out the the Royals, and we are talking about the Royals uh, again. But um, <laughs> you know, if he can if he can go out there and provide <laughs> something along those lines of a stat line like that, that's pretty much what you're looking for. Now, you know, we'll go back into uh, what we've seen since the last time we streamed. And uh, <laughs> for those of you who were not here uh, in the last stream, uh, it started mm. off pretty decent. Um, uh, it was looking really well. Yeah, it was It was looking uh, like a like a decent uh, like like a decent low stress uh, game. And then uh, the bottom fell out, and we happened to end the stream before the last home run that uh, finally put the game away for the Guardians. But, um, yeah, that was an ugly loss. And me and Danny were, you know, in the post-stream, you know, just talking to each other and hanging out, watching the rest of the game, and... uh, that was that was some ugly stuff, and uh, yeah, yeah, uh, it was tough to watch, you know. And I mentioned it last week. You and I don't do a whole lot of uh, pre-show uh, preparation together. You know, we might do a few things here and there separate. Obviously, we're both uh, baseball guys. Uh, we're both uh, kind of what you would call stat nerds, um, or at least you know what some folks would call stat nerds. I just like to think of myself as somebody who. An informed baseball and, fan. Yeah, you know, I like to uh, look into the deeper uh, side of things to, uh, you know, just make myself a little bit more educated about what I'm talking about. But, uh, you know, the one thing we do do is is we kind of do a, a little debrief after every show. And we watched that implosion during the show. And uh, we decided that, you know, when the, tie would, the ball game was tied, that uh, we weren't going to you know, wait all night to uh, see what the outcome was going to be. Cause who knows at that point, it could have, it could have really gone on for a long time, but you know, as things would have it, it probably ended about 10 minutes after we went off stream because uh, you know, the white Sox, once that implosion started, there was no stopping it. Things were falling in on, on top of themselves pretty quickly. So yeah, it was, uh, it was really hard to, uh, Ah, really hard to just, you know, continue watching. And, you know, it's not like the rest of the week went much better. Well, you know, the uh, the Josh Naylor experience on uh, Monday last week was indeed uh, pretty, pretty terrible. Um, they did bounce back. They won the next game four to one. And uh, then they finished off the series by getting canceled due to the Covis. Um yeah, Truthsayer says that it sucks this team shouldn't have to depend on a 36-year-old Cueto being serviceable. And you will get zero arguments here, friend. Um, no, but, you know, like we spoke about last week, uh, if he's your number five and he's half of what Johnny Cueto used to be, I'm not upset about that. Yeah, uh, the issue for me is that Dallas Keuchel's here. There you go. And uh, I I will say, you know, I've been expecting for Dallas Keuchel to continue his descent 
into uh, baseball Hades, and um, it just you know he's uh, he's put together two pretty good pretty good games, and you know you know he get he didn't get a win versus the Yankees, uh, but um, that was the only game that they managed to salvage out of that series. You know, so, um, and, you know, he would have gotten, he would have gotten the win for it. Uh, but, uh, Liam Hendricks came in and blew the save and then ended up getting the win when they, uh, you know, call, you know, fired back and scored in the bottom of the ninth to walk that off. But, um, yeah, that's, that's, you know, that, that, that's where the issue lays is that, you know, I understand that there's injuries to Lance Lynn, um, and that Giolito's been bopping in and out of the, uh, you know, being ready, and uh, you know, it's just looks like there was a little bit of ble- uh, bad planning by the front office. Um, oh. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I I agree with the uh, with the Johnny Cueto assessment that he should not have been what the White Sox are relying on, especially, you know, we're talking about the quote unquote championship window. And, you know, I mean, this this is not where this team was supposed to be. And. It, it makes it it makes it tough, you know. To uh, it's a, it's a tough one to swallow when you are heavily relying on two old, you know. Actually, I guess technically, when Lance Lynn comes back, I mean, if if Lance Lynn, Dallas Keuchel, and Johnny Cueto happen to stick around, you know, and, and those three guys are on the staff the entire year, um, I have to have to imagine that this is probably going to be one of the oldest pitching staffs in baseball. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we were, uh, we were thinking it was going to be one of the younger pitching staffs, uh, out there Oof. when you've, when, you know, when you're thinking about, uh, Michael Kopech making his return to the rotation, uh, as a full timer this year. And you think about, you know, guys like Lucas Giolito, who's still on a rookie contract and Dylan Cease who's still on a rookie contract. And, you know, Dallas Keuchel was supposed to be the old-timer, and Lance Lynn was supposed to be your workhorse. Yeah, well, isn't, isn't uh, I don't know exact ages, but isn't Lance Lynn older than uh, Keuchel by, like, a couple years? Is it that much? I, th- I, mean, I, I thought maybe so. a year. Um, let, me, let me take a, a look-see here. Let's have a peek. But I'm pretty sure that he's a few years older. Um, let's see. Let's see, Lance Lynn is 35. And I think Keuchel is also 35. Is ours at 34? Uh, he's born in 88. So yeah, he's 34. Well, actually January. So yeah, technically I guess he is 35 as well. So, oh no, yeah, he just, uh, just turned 34. Just turned 34. Just turned 34. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So Lynn's probably about a year, year and a half older yeah. than him. So, I mean, but Either regardless, way. I mean, you know, the... Uh, you've got Scherzer is going to uh, make the Mets 
significantly older. Um, and we'll see what happens with them now as well because they just put one of their starters on the uh, on the injured list. So we'll see what ends up happening with them. But I mean, I can't I can't think of any pitching staff that's got this many guys that are over the age of thirty two on their starting staff. That's yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's like even even the bad even the bad teams have completely young rotations for the most part, you know, with like maybe one, maybe one older guy. And that's just because he came cheap. But, uh, yeah, no, it's, uh, pretty insane to think about. Yeah. I mean, Vince Velasquez, he's, he's 30. So go ahead, Rodon. Yeah. Well, did you see his game last night? I did not. Oof. It was not good. Um, well, I mean, when you're when you're leading most of the pitching stats in the National League, you're allowed to have a clunker every now and again. Fair enough. Hey. Um, oh, Dahl Gumbo oh, thank you so much. Dahl Steak with the five gifted. Thank you so much. Nice. That is fantastic. Thank you for the wonderful support. That is Look awesome. That. That's great. Well, yeah, and you know what? That's that's something I I, I want to mention tonight too. But we'll get into that a little bit later. But I want to talk about you know our following and how awesome you guys are. But uh, you know, for now, I'll just go ahead and say uh, give yourselves a pat on the back for uh, you know sticking around for the last year plus that uh, we've been doing this, and uh, you know we appreciate you. But uh, I'll talk, like I said, I'll talk a little bit more about you guys uh, a little bit later on. Yeah, that is that is very generous. We really appreciate it. Um, you know, it's uh, the the Twitch grind is is something, and uh, they say that the that Twitch is not the place to be found. But uh, you know, hey, we enjoy it anyway. It's a it's a fun platform. Hey, you guys are here. Our uh, you know we have a pretty steady following every Monday night. We've we've got a handful of guys that uh, are here almost every Monday. So. You know, we love you guys for that. Our uh, our podcast listeners after uh, our Twitch stream are slowly growing. Uh, you know, our listenership is going up. It's probably not at a pace that I would have hoped for. But, uh, you know, we are growing. Uh, maybe, maybe we'll grow even more now that, uh, you know, we've talked about the purveyors of Sunshine and Rainbows that uh, are are many of the other podcasts out there. And here we are, two crotchety uh, middle-aged men. I don't want to say old men, but two crotchety yeah. middle-aged men. That we just like to call it how we see it. Yeah. <laughs> we, consider, we consider ourselves a little bit more, uh, I don't know, informed than the casual fan. Yeah. I will, I'll say that. We're, we're not you know, quite casual. Yeah. Uh, don't uh, don't read not too much to into that. that. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not saying we're 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 any type of genius or anything. We're not on we're not baseball insiders by any means. But uh you know, the thing is is uh I'm thinking maybe our uh, our listenership will grow a little more as uh you know, more people realize that uh we may have been right about a few things here because it seems like those purveyors of sunshine and rainbows are kind of I, I don't know how many podcasts and other streams you listen to. I'm sure it's probably a few, 
as do I. Yeah. And uh, some of them I'm noticing are starting to uh, take notice of some of the things that we've been talking about here for months. So, uh, you know, I don't know. We'll see how it goes. But either way, again, thanks for uh, thanks for being here, guys. We appreciate it. Very much. Um, yeah, no, I, I would definitely say that uh, a bunch of people are taking notice of just how inconsistent this offense is and taking a look at the fact that it's been doing that since yeah, well, you know, long mid, before mid June of last year. This is not a new thing. It, it's I yeah. mean, it's unfortunate to to bring up, but I mean Unfortunately, this has been going on for quite a while, and the thing is, is that n- hardly any of the roster changed over. You know, the, right. the guys that you brought in, like a Josh Harrison, um, struggling, um, Toby McGuire, the web slinger, uh, also. <laughs> uh, you know, besides the fact that he's been playing a, a fairly decent uh, defensive catcher. Um, the hitting's been absolutely atrocious. Um, yeah. Yeah, we won't mention what the team that you guys wrote, root for. Yeesh. Yeah, uh, so um, Dahlstake and uh, Pusher Robot, longtime friends of mine, and uh, they used to be uh, Chicago people, and uh, unfortunately they um, they wear the blue and the red in their household. But uh, they are good well, people, nonetheless. I, I, you know, yeah. I would like to assure you of that. Um, uh, my wife informs me that uh, there may be some uh, former Chicago uh, residents now living in the Kansas City area, uh, maybe tuning in either tonight or on the podcast later. So fantastic! Uh, but they happen to be White Sox fans. That's good. So. You know, hopefully, uh, hopefully they don't judge us too harsh. Their first time in here, you know, we uh, we try to keep it clean and try to keep it uh, family oriented. But Ish. you know, we, we get emotional every now and again. You so know, start talking tight. about uh, Toby McGuire, and uh, <laughs> there's only so much you can do about that one. But uh, you know, <laughs> right. like that, just the the roster turnover has not been um... <laughs> massive. Yeah, you know, just not enough roster turnover, and the unfortunate thing is that the guys that this team is supposed to be relying on, other than T.A. and Robert, are either injured or just have not really been putting, you know, numbers up on the board. Uh, it was nice yeah, to see Yasmani launch that one uh, earlier. Uh, which he hit a rocket over the uh, into the bullpen in right field tonight, and if you notice, that thing had a ton of topspin on it, and the thing, you know, was probably about five feet from not being a home run, just because he hit it with so much topspin and basically got like twenty feet in the air the entire way. So, uh, but he's been hitting the ball hard, and that's the thing about you know, about these guys. And that's one of the things that's really, really been frustrating is that regardless of how hard they've been hitting the baseball deports 55. Thanks for the follow. Appreciate it. Um, ah, you know, there's one of the Kansas city guys right hey, look now. At that. Yeah. You know, it's just, 
it's not that they're not hitting the ball. And when you look at the team hitting stats, when you couple like some of the advanced metrics with what the actual results are, it's just it, it's kind of um, mind bending, you know. Uh, how could a team be in the top, you know, f- I guess like top fifteen percent of baseball in exit velocity, and uh, but yet they're, you know, bottom twenty percent or whatever it is in BABIP for the team, and they're just not just hits aren't falling. Things are just not working out. And, I mean, don't get me wrong. There are a lot of really, really ugly at-bats yeah. that are being put out there. But, you know, I the whole thing is just kind of I, – I haven't, like, completely wrapped my head around exactly how they're struggling so bad. I just know that they have been for quite a while. And – uh yeah, that was that wasn't really that close. No. It was a heck of a try though. By the way, for those of you who haven't uh been here before, uh Ian and I, you'll notice that we're kind of looking away here. Uh we're actually watching the game being played live on television while we sit here and chat with you guys. So uh it's not that we are, you know, just wandering around in our head with our thoughts. You know, <laughs> when we when you see us look away, we're uh, just trying to keep up with what's going on. So uh, but yeah, uh, just kind of piggybacking off some of the things you were mentioning here and, and not being a lot of roster turnover. There hasn't been a lot of roster turnover since the days of Ricky Renteria. And, uh, when you see some of the offensive woes and, you know, defensive woes actually particularly is something I wanted to talk about a little bit tonight too, because we have seen this team struggle defensively this season. Uh, some guys, extremely uncharacteristically struggle with defense and errors. Uh, And, you know, we have said for a long time that neither one of us was really a big fan of the Larusa hire, much like many of the folks out there. It's kind of a polarizing uh, uh, topic to be on because, you know, on one side, you've got all the folks that like to say, hey, you know what? Tony Larusa had 34 years of uh, managing experience before, coming back to the South side for his second stint as manager. Uh, And he had three world series titles, you know, one with uh, Oakland and two in St. Louis. And, you know, that's all, that's all great. Good for him. Uh, You know what? The guy had a, a pretty awesome career as a manager the first time around this time around. Uh, you know, all I want to say to the people that are defending him and saying that he's, you know, this genius is, with that minimal amount of roster turnover since the Ricky Renteria days, which we all kind of loathed as well, too, uh, you know, this team performed better defensively back then. We know that they are capable of performing better than they are right now because we've seen it. It's been done. So I ask you, why defend the guy who's supposed to make sure that these guys are prepared day in and day out. (laughs) One thing I want to really bring up here is I don't think the White Sox have had the same lineup back to back at all Mm -hmm. this season. Not once. Nope. Now you can talk about injuries early on in the season this year. 
But uh, for the most part, the team has kind of gotten pretty healthy, aside from Malloy. You know, obviously we got Lucas uh, goes on the COVID nineteen list, so he'll be back shortly. It's yeah, after job. you know, after the uh, the the back or whatever it was, they yeah. kept him out for you know a week and a half, yeah, a couple, yeah, start or two. Uh but you know, for the most part, you know, and I'm talking about the the defense. For the most part, you know, Yohan Moncada's finally back and uh, swinging a little bit of a, a decent stick early on with a couple of couple of big bombs and some uh, clutch situations. Um, you know, I just have to ask how how do you how do you not put your best position players at their best positions day in and day out when you've got the lineup to do that now? And how do you not keep these guys in a batting order where they feel like they can be comfortable and protected with the guys in front of them, behind them, and expect this team to just gel? You've got you got different guys playing different positions almost every day, every game, because we haven't seen the same lineup or same positions on the field or even the same guys on the field in back-to-back games. I think that would probably create some defensive snafus when you don't know and are not comfortable with who's going to be where each and every time the ball's put into play. Hey, Am I wrong? Graveman gets a K. Uh, Anybody follow me? Yeah, a hundred percent. You know, I, the, you know, I, you know, uh, we generally kind of, you know, stay away from other podcasts. Mm-hmm. Um, on on air but um something interesting was floated by uh socks in the basement earlier this week that you know one of the episodes i listened to um where they mentioned that leori garcia and this is it sounded kind of uh like something that we had mentioned in here before but with a different spin on it that kind of made me think about uh just what's going on here is that, you know, when they signed him to that, that contract, um, maybe it was a suggestion that he is an everyday player with the amount of money that they spent on him, that maybe they were suggesting that he is an everyday player and that like TLR says that he is an everyday player. And, uh, here we go off the wall. Played badly by a non-outfielder. Yikes, man! Well, and he oh, we got all. He dropped the ball. Pick it, tag him. Did he touch home plate? Do we know he touched home plate? Anyway, um, yeah. So for those of you that are watching, and uh, Dostek actually brought up something interesting uh, to me in uh, the whispers here about uh, doing Twitch watch parties, and you know, I never really thought about doing that. And it's probably something worth exploring of uh, of doing that, but um, we'll have to look into that. But the uh, Kendall Graveman came in and uh, he got a strikeout, but uh, then a ball was badly misplayed against the wall in left field, and uh, two run score. And uh, now the tying run, I believe, is at third base. Yeah, see, did he? Oh, he did touch home plate. All right. He did. I Man, mean, it's brutal. 
Young Fire had already called him safe, already gave the wave, so. Oh, yeah, I know, but I was just making sure that his hand touched the plate because then, you know, Grandal yeah, you know, could have tagged him. But, I mean, it really doesn't matter because he touched home plate. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that, you know, the whole Leary thing is that, you know, the assertion by TLR that he is a an everyday player that just happens to play a bunch of different positions. And maybe that's why the money that was given to him is that more or less that he is uh, your starting second baseman and that Josh Harrison was more the move to fill the role of what people are assuming is Leury's role. Wow. Yeah, and it took me... never even really thought about that. Uh, yeah, see, that's the thing, is that, you know, we've talked about the fact that, you know, Leary was probably your starting second baseman, but that was before Josh Harrison was signed. Right. And then when he was signed, we automatically assumed that that was your starting second baseman, when in reality, maybe Leary <laughs> was the starting second baseman, and we were right, but the signing of Josh Harrison was actually as more of a uh, as that role player that the that, there we go you know and there it is it is tied you know I think we just gotta stop streaming on Monday nights when the Sox are playing good we loud have to, uh, we have to switch to a night when it's off it's off night because every time we go on and the Sox have a lead it just doesn't go well At that's least awesome Mondays, anyway. Ridiculous, man. What uh, what are you going to do, though? You know, I mean, it's like if we I guarantee you that if we pick a different day, the White Sox are going to lose that day, too, because you know what? They're doing that a lot lately. Oh, uh, we just. Uh, yeah, well, that's true. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, I will say nobody can blame us. Yeah. Donuts says shocker. And I will say, no, I'm not shocked. And like the thing is, is that uh, I will say what actually does shock me is their record. Yeah, uh, with how badly this team has played, the fact that they are five, you know, close to five hundred is actually more shocking than, of course, than a, another blown lead here. Um, yeah. Well, you know, we talked about it in the past. They they did a little bit of bum slaying when they went on a uh, eight game win streak or whatever it was six eight games. Six games, eight games. Yeah. And, you know, as Donuts points out, he says, make a catch and left. That's what they could do. And, uh, you know, this is a pretty good point. This is the thing that we've been talking about. First baseman playing outfield. Since the beginning of last year is that it was <laughs> a bad idea. And sure enough, here we are, you know, again with – Oh, look at that. Hey, we got a double play. All right. Out of the inning. Tied. Good Lord. Um, this feels vaguely familiar. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, like a carbon copy of how last week started. Everything was, <laughs> you know, at least like uh, somewhat sensible. And then then we started watching the game unfold and it uh, – kind of derailed things. But I mean, what do you think about that, about that Larry thing? I mean, it seems like it's actually, you know, I mean, like it's I said, possible. we had talked about Larry being the starting second baseman, but we, you know, and then you know what they say about assuming 
we mm. assumed that they were signing Josh Harrison as the starting second baseman, when in reality that might not actually be the case. Yeah, Leury might be your starting everything, and Josh Harrison, he's played a couple of different positions already this year, so yeah, maybe he was meant to be the utility man. Uh, yeah. It's an interesting theory. Uh, I still don't necessarily buy it yet. Yeah. Uh, but it, there's it's it's definitely plausible. There, the there is some merit there, for sure. One, the amount of money that was given to one... Uh, exceeds the amount, that, the amount of money that was given to another in the amount of years that was given to one exceeds what was given to the other. And Leori is going to be in a White Sox uniform for at least two more years after this season, you know, unless some, you know, other fate befalls him. But, uh, yeah, uh, it is uh, – it's definitely an interesting theory nonetheless. Yeah. And, like, one of the things that they brought up, you know, is that it, it's – it's been one of those things where you've seen other teams like eat eat bad defense at second base for offense, but unfortunately that is not what this is. Um, you're still looking at. I mean, you know, granted he's been he's been on a pretty good tear for the last week or so, and um, it's not like we discounted the fact that this was absolutely going to happen and that he couldn't be like in a. Uh, you know, hitting 120 forever, that wasn't going to happen. He's still going to get his 260 or whatever for the year, and it'll all probably end up balancing out. Um, oh, and, you know, that's, that actually uh, reminds you know, the me thing- now. The, uh, they're showing the graphic on TV is that uh, Johnny Cueto has been wiped from the slate for this evening, which is uh, rather unfortunate given how he pitched. But, uh, yeah. you know, standard uh, White Sox fashion, here we are. Yeah. You know, I and I know you say that uh, Leori is, you know, he's shown some signs of the bat waking up. But uh, as I was saying, and I, you and I, when we uh, were dialing our stream in right before we went live here, making sure all our sound and cameras and everything were working correctly, I mentioned that uh, Leori's got to be one of the luckiest hitters in baseball the last week. I mean, I have seen some really softly hit balls just kind of fall into places where you couldn't throw the ball out there in a better place yeah. in between three, four defenders. So, you know, yeah, he's hitting better. He's got his batting average up over 200. But, uh, <laughs> you know, some of it has been, in my opinion, absolute luck. You know, like that little seeing eye single he had uh, in the you know his first at-bat of tonight's game where it kind of just dropped – into short center field there. Uh, I've seen a few of those in over the last week. So, Ugh, uh, you know, I, I'm not trying to dump on Leori. You hey, know, he, well, he just struck out with some really ugly swings. So feel free. Yeah. He, well, here's the thing. I mean, he served his purpose during the rebuild. He did some things for the Sox that they asked him to do. He went out and he played a bunch of positions. You know, he kind of, he, he just he went out and asked what he was was he was he did what he was asked to do. Sorry, I'm tripping over my words here, but uh you know when you get into that window of contention that we've talked about time and time again here, he's not really the guy you want to see on an everyday basis. It, it just is what it is. I don't want to take anything from anything away from what he has done for the Sox, but uh, you know he's just not the guy you want to see on a team that 
many folks before the season started were calling a World Series contender. That's all I really want to say about it. It's just yeah. well, that I mean, you think part. about that now. I mean, you just think, <coughs> of, think about the the fact that uh, so many places were predicting ninety, you know, ninety five wins. 94, 93 wins. And, uh, you know, when we did our, when we did our predictions, ours were not anywhere close to that. Um, so yours were lower than mine. And I'm thinking, you know, just by the way, the early part of the season has gone right now, you were probably going to be closer than I was. And I'm sorry about that. I apologize. No, you know what? Uh, if you remember, when we did our bold prediction show, there were reasons why I went a little bit higher. And, uh, you know, I also told you that I think I was just trying to uh, be on the uh, the positive and look on the bright side type uh, attitude towards that number show. And, uh, you know, I kind of knew that, you know, we called them bold predictions for a reason. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, and it the, is the awful thing. Is that I said that the White Sox were going to win the division, but only by one game, and it's <laughs> it's been. I mean, the only reason that that could possibly happen is just because this division is that awfully bad. Uh, yeah. Either that, or you know, if say uh, you know Abreu actually does, um, and I'm not saying that he won't. Um, but if he gets back to his, uh, you know, career mean, um, he's going to go on a, on a serious tear. And we, and as we have mentioned last year, him and Yoan went on like crazy benders for like uh, a month and a half. Unfortunately is that after that, they like, pretty much regressed in the opposite direction for a month and a half. But, um, you know, they're, they're perfectly capable of going on a run. It's just whether or not these guys can put it together as a team, because we have, what well, we've seen, uh, we've seen the full lineup together with this, with this roster, what, like 12 games or something like that, or 11 games since, uh, you know, since, you know, basically since, uh, the COVID year, you know, with all the injuries and everything, we haven't seen anybody healthy, you know, like the full team more than uh, 11 games. I think it was that the, that the full lineup's been there. And my thinking here is, is that even if the, you know, even with the 11 games, I, I would be absolutely shocked if the lineups were anywhere, you know, say, say the same thing happened this year and it was 11 games where we had the full lineup, I would be absolutely shocked if TLR put them in the same order. Well, that's, I mean, that was the point I was trying to make. Yeah, no, yeah, for sure. We have not, we have not, we're close. We're close to being healthy. We're not a hundred percent there, but as of right now, we're close to being healthy, at least as far as the lineup goes. Yeah, and uh, we still have yet to see a back-to-back duplicate lineup. And I really, honestly, I don't see how anybody can feel comfortable going out on the field that way. Yep. Like I said, you don't know who the, the the guy who was standing next to you. If you're Tim Anderson, 
and you're playing shortstop every day, you don't know who's going to be next to you playing third base one game or playing second base the next game or even playing first base the game after that because you've had Jose Obreu play first base. You've had uh, Vaughn play first base. You've had Gavin Sheets play first base. Grandal. You've had, you've had Grandal play first base. Second base, you've had Danny Mendick. You've had Leary Garcia. You've had Josh Harrison. Third base, Josh Harrison, Yuan Moncada, Danny Mendick, Leary Garcia, Jake Berger. Like, you don't know who's going to be next to you. How do you know where each guy is going to be positioned each time? Yep. Who's going to be covering the bag? At what speed are they moving for your throws on double plays? You know, how tall or how short is the first baseman covering? You know, when I, it's it's difficult to get into a rhythm. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's, I, I wouldn't use that as an excuse for, you know, TA's you know, uh, ridiculous amount of errors. But, yeah, no, I 100% agree with you is that there's got to be some sort of a uh, some sort of a rhythm, some sort of, uh, you know, a camaraderie on the infield where these guys have got to get used to playing together. How are they supposed to do that when Leuri is moving all over the place? Josh Harrison's moving all over the place. You know, you've got different guys in different positions every day. It, you cannot establish a flow for the infield when there's different guys in every position every day. Yeah, it, there's no uh it, there's there 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 <laughs> there comes a level of trust in playing with the same guys day in and day out. There comes a a, a level of comfort and uh, it's next to impossible to get that that feeling of trust and comfort and just knowing without even looking and just knowing where a guy is going to be. And you're never going to get that when your defensive positioning changes every day, your lineup changes every day. You don't know who's hitting in front of you, behind you. Uh, Jose Breu has been left unprotected in that four spot a, num- a num- number of times this season. We talk about his struggles at the bat, but you know what? He's seeing one good pitch every at bat. Is Larry not enough protection for him? Is that what you are insinuating? <laughs> right. You know, when you got Jose batting four and Leary's batting five or two or three and he's hitting 120, you know, how do you expect these guys to go up there? They're not going to see a decent pitch when you've got nobody behind you doing anything. Uh, you know, I'm not saying that it's going to make a ton of difference for Jose because, you know, even when he does get a good pitch, he watches it go by and then he swings at something seven inches down and away off the plate. But, uh, you know, and he's got that hip flying open and the shoulder flying out in front of everything. Like he's trying to dead pull the ball. We've heard everybody talk about it on the broadcast and, you know, I see the same thing. I don't know about you, but, uh, these guys are pretty spot on with that. But that usually comes with a guy who's been struggling and is trying to force something to happen. Yeah. If you were to protect Jose in the lineup a little bit more, I think he would feel a little bit more comfortable. He would see more pitches out over the plate where he wants to hit them instead of just letting that one go by and then having to flail at something else that's, you know, maybe out of the strike zone or in part of the strike zone that is not necessarily uh, a great place to hit a ball. So, I, you know, I don't know. It's it's just difficult to uh, imagine the happenings in Tony LaRusso's head when he's making these constantly evolving 
lineups day in and day out. Yeah, but I, I mean, I would say devolving because uh, well, evolving would, you know, insinuate some amount of progress, and that's not what I'm feeling right now. Um, yeah, it's, uh, uh, White Sox Premium K says, let's stop talking about tertiary stuff. The issue is the offense. You can't... Uh, you can't score against KC. You can't walk. Nothing else matters if these issues don't get fixed. Okay, well, while while I do agree with that, um, I thought that exactly what I was talking about though. Well, I mean that's you know that is of course, uh, but here is the thing: is that you know with the, with the defense bringing that up is that when you're you know we brought this up last week when your team is not scoring runs. You can't give away runs, and the defense on this team is so horrifically bad that they just they've given away like four games this year, four or five games probably on defense alone already this year, and it's it's like the second week of May. <clears throat> Any other the other thing is there's only so much we approach. Yes, I agree. They have a terrible approach at the plate. You know. I don't. I can't make a show on that statement. You know, it. You're absolutely right. Their approach is awful. They're not walking. They're swinging at bad pitches out of the zone. Uh, they're trying to force things to happen, which usually doesn't go well for an offense. But outside of saying those things, I you know, there's really not much to talk about when you're talking about this offense not doing what it's supposed to do. Yeah. Uh, like I said the only thing I can think of is if you you know were to have a lineup that guys felt comfortable and protected and trusted in and kept that lineup for more than one game, two, three, four games. I know, for example, we just got done with the uh, with the Yankees series, four-game set against the Yankees at home. Uh, the Yankees changed their lineup once, and that was because they decided to give a Mr. Rizzo one game off. And he did not have a different lineup every day, every game. They didn't have guys in different positions every game. They had Rizzo get one day off. Other than that, their lineup stayed exactly the same. And uh, to be honest with you, a struggling White Sox team against what looks like a juggernaut right now on the Yankees, the way they've been playing, this would have been a perfect time for the Yankees to go ahead and maybe sit a guy or two here and there. Yet they did not. They did not take their foot off the gas. And uh, I think that's a big issue for the White Sox and the way they've been managed this season. Yeah. I mean, I 100% agree. This is like the same thing as, you know, with the, you know, with the defense of having different guys all over the place is that, you know, these hitters are all over the place. And, uh, you know, every every single, I, I feel like, Probably about fifty percent of the roster is pressing because uh, nothing's clicking, you know. And this is one of the things where if you don't play every day, you don't get into a rhythm. And you know, last year we we mentioned quite a few times, you know the. Uh, maybe some of the, uh, hey, nice catch angle. Look at that. Somebody who knows how to play defense in the outfield. Um, 
you know, it's when a guy gets into rhythm, okay, you don't run him into the ground and play him 30 straight games in a row. Like that part I get. And that's what one of the things that people were bringing up last year is that towards the end of the year, you know, the bullpen was gassed, the pitcher, you know, the starting staff was gassed. And, uh, you know, a bunch of these guys in the, in the field were playing too much. And then TLR started giving them all sorts of days off, you know, in the second half of the season to rest them up for the playoffs. And, uh, Little, you know, little did he know that uh, that was going to be a very short uh, period of time and they wouldn't really need a whole lot of days off to uh, combat fatigue for those uh, four games that they played. (laughs) Four games. Oh, yeah. I I don't have anything else to say to that. I think you uh, hit the nail on the head. (laughs) I mean, I'm just saying, man, it's like. You know, I, I, I am, you know, of course, not a Hall of Famer baseball person. Uh, but I did stay at Holiday Inn Express last night. And I, I feel like a lot of this stuff is very elementary. You know, when it, when it comes to getting guys going, is allowing them to play their position and allowing them to play numerous days. Now, I understand that there is a lot to be said about roster construction and what is going on here is that there is certain players given to Tony LaRussa to manage. And that says something about the overall organizational depth of certain positions and or the lack thereof of there not being enough outfielders that have done something. Uh, there have not been enough middle infielders that have done something uh, at, to this point. Uh, the only guys that have really done something have been uh, first baseman, third baseman, and that's pretty much it. You know, as far as the developmental part of the team goes, there seems to be a a real issue with getting enough guys to fill out the major league roster. But then there's also the problem of once these guys get here, you know, a la a Gavin Sheets, a uh, an Andrew Vaughn, a Jake Berger, and stuff like that. The problem is, is that all three of those guys they're all corner infielders, and guess what? Their spots were already filled. And I understand that there has to be some organizational depth, but the problem is is that when the organizational depth is all at two positions... Where two of your best players already are. Where two of your very good players are posted up, and they're not going anywhere. I mean, I know that that Abreu's contract is up, but uh, assuming that he hits more than 250 this year and still drives in a bunch of runs and hits 25 home runs at least, he's going to probably be here next year and probably the year after that until he decides that he does not want to be here anymore. And that is a problem because that is a logjam at first base. Yoan right. Mankata's not going anywhere, probably. 
You know, if he's if he's not have a position as long as Jose Abreu stays here. Now, if you ask Tony Larusa, that's different because Andrew Vaughn can play left field and right field all day long, and it's just hunky dory. You know, same thing. Gavin Sheets. You know, we've got two first basemen playing in the outfield. They don't belong there. Yeah. You know, Jake Berger did a great job of filling in for Yohan Moncada this first month of the season that Yohan Moncada was out. Yep. Fantastic job. Uh, really liked what I saw from him. But, you know, they did the best thing for him. When Yohan came back, they sent him down to uh, AAA Charlotte to, uh, you know, keep him playing every day because you don't want to stash him on the bench and let him get cold. There he is. Yeah. The OTLR uh, 5K. Turkey trot. Nice. The turkey trot. Uh, <laughs> a little tongue-in-cheek there. The turkey trot. Um. Yeah, but I mean, you know, you like you mentioned, you've got these younger up and coming players coming up in positions that are filled and are looking like they're going to be filled for some time. Yeah, we've been we have been beating to death over and over again, beyond death, that horse about the hole, the black hole that has been right field for the White Sox organization for what seems like a century almost. Now, I know I'm I'm being a little, uh, you know, uh, what's the word here? Being a little facetious when I say <laughs> that. But, uh, you know, it's been a long time since we've had a true right fielder in the White Sox organization. But, no, we're going to take these corner infielders and throw them out in left field and right field and just have at it. It's all you, you know, yeah. uh, we, you and I were both, I don't want to say happy, but kind of relieved to see that the White Sox at, you know, the 11th hour went out and signed uh, AJ Pollock because well, traded for him. But yeah, right. right. <clears throat> because, you know, what is he? He's an actual outfielder. He's been playing the outfield his entire career. You know, albeit center field for most of that uh, career. Oh, uh, he's been playing in the outfield almost. But uh, hey, but you know you what? Know, uh, he had, out, uh, had he been in left field tonight, do you think he would have made that catch that Vaughn didn't make? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. Uh, that inning would have been over, and I think he probably at most would have been three to one right now. But I think uh, none of those runs score if that ball's caught. Yep. Yep. Pretty much. So, there's that. Yeah, there's that. Uh, you know, the thing about AJ Pollock, you know, I just want to go back to that real quick. He started out the season really hot. Was hitting the ball over the place. Uh, got himself injured, which we talked about was a possibility with him. He's a little bit of a China doll. He does have a tendency to miss some time almost every season. Uh, but since coming back, has gone cold. So, you know, I think he's another one where you don't expect him to see, you don't expect to see him hit, you know, 200. Yeah, the entire season you expect to see yeah. him, you know, maybe revert back to his career norm. He'll get, yeah, he'll get back up to like two eighty five, two eighty, you know, whatever. Um, but again, when that happens, and Aloy comes back, where do you put Vaughn? Where do you put Sheets? Nobody's in their right mind is sitting Jose Abreu, even though he probably could use a little time to work on his swing. But, uh, you know, I don't know. And then how long do you do that? I mean, you've already got a full-time DH in uh, Yasmani Grandal. 
for the most yeah, part. Yeah, Reese McGuire has so. been catching, you know, eighty-five percent of the games this year. Eh, I don't think that's necessarily true, but it's still it's Maybe. it's a lot. And I know right. that there's probably the uh, the debate on you know they're trying to save his knees for the playoffs. Blah blah blah. I mean, let's in May. I mean, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, wow. Hey, that is. All right. Luis Robert, look at that dead center field. That guy is a man. Um, He's definitely a man. Yeah. Uh, Let's see. Uh, Colty. Colty with the funny over there. Might as well put Jose field. Yeah, no, I did. Let's give it a shot. uh, (laughs) Yeah, Colty with another funny earlier said the Bulls played more games than that in the playoffs, which they did. Also true. yeah, uh, you know, I I had a, a a very very brief conversation with somebody on uh, Twitter today, um, where it was suggested that they tried Jake Berger in the outfield, and uh, somebody else brought up the fact that uh, the White Sox probably already had, um too many works in progress in the outfield. And the, the gentleman said, well, have they reached triple a yet? And I said, well, they're on the white Sox major league roster. (laughs) I mean, you've already got Aloy Vaughn and sheets who aren't outfielders, regardless of, you know, their, positional tags and oh there there was a uh when andrew vaughn hit his uh two home runs in charlotte the other night uh and my uh, it was either mlb or no it was milb uh tweeted out a video of the two home runs and it said white Sox rehabbing outfielder and i just shook my head i was like are you kidding even they're saying he's an outfielder the guy's not an outfielder He's not. It's frustrating. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah. Uh, let's see. Let's go here in the chat. Uh, Donut says, unfortunately, there isn't much debate about the issues that they are having universally. The only ones that seem to not to see it is the organization itself. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, that is a that is an issue. I mean, uh, we talked about the uh, organizational depth and the roster construction of the team as a whole uh, for – a couple months and uh they still came into this season with uh essentially the same same group of guys which you know obviously the the core of the group you're not going to get rid of um however um you know the fact that uh that Danny Mendick just came just went down for Cueto and you know while I will say that uh Danny Mendick has probably been the best shortstop on the team defensively so far this year um you know we're talking about a uh a journeyman role player kind of guy you know like that's what he's gonna do he's gonna bounce back and forth between triple a and mlb and uh he'll come up and he'll have a little hot streak and he'll have a couple of weeks where he looks like he's a uh you know like a a guy like larry garcia an everyday player uh, that just plays a lot of positions. Um, but then eventually he's going to regress to, you know, the fact that he's a, a role player, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. 
And it's not bad that the team has guys like that. The issue is, is when Giggities. they, yes. What is up, Giggities? Yes, uh, Luis Robert is by far the best player on the White Sox. I would 100% agree with that. Um, it's, you know, but the, the fact that this is the guy that is maintaining a roster spot while you're mm-hmm. sending other guys down, and I understand that you want other guys to get at bats all the mm-hmm. time. So you're going to play him in AAA. But the issue is is that we're just talking about Danny Mendick here. We're not talking about a guy that's forcing his way onto the field, you know, on a daily basis or you know, it's like how many role players does one team need? Get somebody up here that's a at least, you know, competent at both sides of the ball, please. You know, I don't at some point, you are going to have to sacrifice one of these guys getting AAA at bats to keep a competent baseball player on the bench. You know, somebody that will get a base hit, you know, and be able to hit like 275. You know, regard and also play competent defense. I know it's a uh, it's a strange uh, a strange yeah. ask, but. Um, yeah, your yeah. Uh, your utility man doesn't play a single position. Oh, man, well, I just, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, exactly, so. exactly. I mean, you know, whatever. Uh, I want to address the chat real quick too. Uh, Push your robot. I did see your question. Yes. Yeah, we'll get to that in a second. I I've been, we both we yeah. both did, and uh, you know, we just happened to be on a different subject, and uh, we weren't ignoring you. We just didn't want to uh, stop the flow of uh, where we were going with this. Uh, we get into into the wormhole of uh, complaining about uh, White Sox <laughs> roster construction because it is a very easy, uh, very easy topic to get lost in because there's a lot of uh, weird stuff going on. But we will we will definitely address that at some point. Yeah, I mean, so, let's just go back to it. I mean, it's not like anything's going to change here. You All know, right, uh, here. we got uh, we got a five three lead, and uh, Yasmani's up in the uh, top of the tenth, hitting from the other side of the plate. Yeah, hitting righty. <coughs> uh, we'll see what happens here. Um, but I mean, Oof. you know, yeah. Well, all right. So let's go back to this uh, this question here. All right, so Pusher Rob, Robot was saying, uh, there was something I wanted to hear you guys talk about that I can't find a lot of info about. Even the video I did find of a former pitcher discussing it, he was real, really coy about it. Apparently a decent amount of the time when a player gets plunked, it's intentional. Do you guys know how you can tell and why is this acceptable behavior and not severely punished? Well, as far as the severe punishment goes, I think that the the thing is is that it would have to be proven... that that it's intentional and you know with uh especially with the baseball within the last couple of years and them now taking the extra you know uh tacky stuff away from the pitchers is that the ball's getting away from pitchers a lot um i don't remember the exact number but in the last year uh hit by pitch is up quite a bit and uh, it's because these guys can't hold on to the baseball, and uh, there's nothing to aid them in being able to hold on to it. So that's that's causing a lot of hit by pitch. I think also, you know, you have to look back at the, um, yes, the, 
Yeah, yes, yeah, yes, 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 today, yes, 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 Colton, today, yes. Get through, there you go. Hey, look at that. It's a base hit for yeah. yes, money. Look at this, I mean, it's like, uh, it's almost like if uh, you let them get in a rhythm, see now, like, now that they're getting in the rhythm, tomorrow he's going to have a day off. Um, but, um, yeah, I think with the, uh, you know, the, the champions of the unwritten rules, uh, still holding prominence in major league baseball that, uh, hit by pitch is just going to be a, a thing until finally somebody, uh, until a couple of guys get hurt and, um, and then eventually they're going to say uh, that, oh, look at that. Yaz comes out, and Reese McGuire is his pinch runner. Well, you know, uh, Yasmani, the speedster that he is. It's not like <laughs> Reese McGuire's that much faster. I mean, I'm just saying. Uh, I don't know. Kanirko was faster than Yasmani, and that's saying a lot. Yeah, you know, that's, Kinerko, that's Kinerko probably fair. Kanirko carried a piano around the bases of Yasmani is carrying, you know, the grand, the baby grand, the elephant. Got a Ford Ranger uh, on his back. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, what do you think about that? Do you think, I mean, I don't, I don't think that we're looking at anything being punishable. I mean, like the thing is, is that, do you think there well, is some I, underground baseball hate for Anthony Rizzo? Well, I will say that uh, part of the problem with Rizzo and blaming pitchers is that the guy <laughs> is standing on the lines of the batter bo- batter's box, right. and he's more or less standing right on top of the plate. And with the fact that they can't hold on to the baseball as much, it's going to make for him getting drilled more often. And I have personally said if I was an opposing pitcher and I was pitching against Anthony Rizzo and there wasn't a uh there wasn't like any you know possibility that it might affect the uh the runs at the particular moment I would absolutely pitch in right in on his hands absolutely and that's going to lead to him getting hit I mean, you can't, you can't stand that close to, to, uh, home plate and not expect to get drilled. Yeah. You know, my question about this whole question actually is, you know, when you, when you phrase a question, like, you know, a pitcher, somebody says that they're a significant amount. When you use a term like significant amount, it's pretty, that's a pretty generalized, uh, way to put it out there. And, uh, you know, what do you mean by significant amount when you're asking it that way? Because honestly, I myself as a pitcher, now obviously I'm not a major league baseball pitcher, but I got paid, you know, a couple of nickels and dimes to play the game for a short time at a very, very low level. But, uh, you know, um, I got to tell you, I, there were times where I just had command and control issues and I hit some guys. Uh, even back in the late eighties and early two thousands, you know, there were a lot of pitchers, myself included, that didn't like throwing at guys. Uh, you know, that whole mindset of, you know, a guy goes up and hits a home run and you either plunk him in his next plate appearance or you plunk the guy behind him. 
was already kind of starting to go away in the early 2000s. Uh, and it's even more, well, at least they say it's more prevalent now, but I got to believe it because a lot of the guys that I played with didn't want to do it. And it was asked of you to do it. Uh, I'm not, I'm going to be straightforward with you. I'm not going to be coy like this said pitcher was, but uh, you know, uh, you were asked to do things like that. You, there were times you were told, and if you didn't do it, you might've got yanked from the game. Oh, well, you know, uh, but the reality is, is I don't know what significant means when you say that, because a lot of guys just, you know, Rizzo's not the only guy that goes out there and crowds the plate. And again, as myself being a pitcher, I'm not going to stop throwing inside because you're there. I have to, my job is to make pitches and I've got to try to make pitches, whether you stand on the front line of the batter's box or the line along the home plate of the batter's box or the very deep end of the batter's box, which most guys don't do anymore. You know, but there's, there's a few guys that like to see the late movement and stand way deep back in the box. But, uh, you know, as a pitcher, you just have to go out there and make the pitches and sometimes you're going to hit a guy. So, uh, significant to me is, is just a really general term. So uh, I don't necessarily think that there's a lot of, uh, you know, unspoken hate for Anthony Rizzo. He's just a guy that he's right on top of the plate. And uh, his stance on top of his positioning, his stance isn't exactly forgiving in that either. He gets his hands out in front of him a little bit too. Yeah, and kind of like sticks his knees out a little bit right. And, you know, like he stands upright, but his knees like go in front of his body almost. It's a definitely He's one of those guys that's got that swing. It's like a cock in a barrel before he swings it. He actually pulls the bat back as the ball's coming in and then drives. He doesn't stop. He he doesn't have his bat up at the top of his swing in his stance. So uh, he's going to get hit. It's just, and it's, I think a lot of that's by design. It's not just because that's where the way he hits better and the way he feels more, most comfortable. Is a lot of left-handed guys will do that because a lot of right-handed pitchers don't want to throw in on him. Yeah, I'd say, you know, like it's also, you know, uh, yeah, there are certain times where it's known that guys are going to get hit and that uh, the benches do clear and, the you know, the, uh, well, those the bullpen runs yeah. in. That's the, I guess that's the second half of his question is, you know, how do you know when it's happening? Well, that's when you know. Yeah. That's when you know. When there's a situation happening, there's a couple of guys field in the next plate appearance. One of those guys gets, you know, beamed. Or, you know, like I said, you somebody hits a, a, a key home run somewhere in the game and either the guy behind him or that guy in, the play, in his next plate appearance gets beamed. Those are the obvious situations. Uh, and that's usually when umpires come out and either give a warning or start tossing people. So, but that's about as far as the punishment I think is ever really going to go. You yeah. Know, if, I mean, except for if you start in going the post hunting. Yeah. in the extracurricular activities afterwards, you'll see suspensions, but usually for in-game conduct, there's not really a whole lot of, uh, suspensions given for guys. Yeah. Carlos Quentin did get hit a ton, but you know, then again, he wore the, uh, you know, he wore a little bit of armor. I mean, Abreu got hit like uh, something. He got hit some like thirty-two times or something last year. Some absurd number. I mean, right. it, and it the happens. reason being, the reason being is because every pitcher in the world knew that if you went up and in on him, he couldn't get the bat around him. Yeah. So they continually so. did it, and uh, you know, he he wore it quite a bit. Hey, all right, we got one. Liam strikes out uh, Michael A. Tater. 
um, people do pitch into Jose Abreu. That's what they mean is that he gets they they put it right in on his hands and he ends up taking it off the elbow because they know that he can't get the head of the bat around on a pitch that's inside and tight and high like that. So, um, yeah, so that's, I don't know. That's just my take on it. Um, I don't think that you're going to see a lot of suspensions on it until, uh, you know, until, uh, you see multiple guys get hit in the same game and, uh, and the bench is clear and, uh, somebody, ends up getting hurt unfortunately i think that's probably what it's going to end up taking for uh for there to be some sort of a uh you know punishment for that kind of thing is somebody's going to have to somebody's going to end up having to get hurt and i mean we've it's happened in baseball before you know where a guy's gotten hit and uh their career's been over but yeah you see guys taking pitches up in the shoulder up high in the middle of the back you know turned away from a ball whatever those are some dangerous situations. You might see a little more of a, you know, league investigation after the fact. Uh, there might be a fine, you know, of, of some sort every now and again. But uh, you don't really see suspensions over those kind of things. Most pitchers are pretty good about, you know, throwing at a guy's backside, you know, hitting him down in the thigh or, Most of the or time, wherever. Yeah. Most of the time. But every now and again, you'll get that guy that, you know, pitchers don't, spend a whole lot of time practicing throwing at the batter in, you know, when they're, you know, in their side sessions or in, in camp. So, uh, sometimes when you do that, uh, the ball is going to get away from them. And that's usually not intentional either. When you see one, you know, up in the head or shoulder area. So, you know, uh, there might be a very, very small percentage of pitchers out there that are just, I hate to say dicks, that might do some uh, head hunting, but uh, again, that's just they're far and few between. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, yeah. Occasionally, you get guys who like to buzz the bell tower, but I mean, for the most part, like, uh, you know, the guys will just let them wear it in the backside, and that's 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 where it stops. You know, um, unless you know, I mean, there is there is, of course, uh, you know, last year Jose Abreu got hit, and you know. You got. Uh, you ended up getting this. I mean, we ended up getting. <laughs> I was waiting for. We it. ended up getting streaming <laughs> gold because Jose Abreu gets hit, and uh, here comes Tony Larusa, the defender of Jose Abreu, and Going after the catcher, <laughs> and the unwritten rules. Now this is where it, it gets weird because <laughs> you know he is not only, um, you know complaining about his his guy getting hit but he's also one of those guys who wants to defend the ability to go out there and plunk dudes so you know like pick a side man pick a lane you know i understand that your guy's getting hit and whatever but uh you know let's see let's see that turkey trot one more time by the way oh yeah i'll bring it let's out let's just see that i'll bring it out it uh it goes he's uh you know, if if nowhere else, we are not going to let that go. Uh, and I'm sure pretty much most of White Sox fandom is uh, not going to let that die either. But uh, we here at uh, White Sox Daily Live are, are going to do our best to keep that thing going for at least some time. Oh, yeah, it's got to. Yeah, it's got to <laughs> keep going. I'm not going to I'm not going to stop. Using right. that. Are you kidding? 
Um, it's a White Sox winner. Yeah, how do you like that? Uh, Liam comes in, nails down the uh, nails down the safe. I'm uh, I'm into it, man. Um, All right, it's so a, we're still good to go for Monday nights. Certainly <laughs> a better outcome than uh, than last week's game. Um, so speaking of uh, last week, uh, I wanted to uh, get into what happened in the Yankees series. Oh, okay. Uh, first game, Cease pitches four innings, which is, by my calculations, four innings is 12 outs. He struck out 11 people. Well, I mean, it wasn't technically a week ago. It was, you know, like five days ago or whatever, but that's, you know, whatever. Strikes out 11, gets one pop-up. Unfortunately, gives up uh, six runs, I believe. Um, yeah, so, walks were a killer. Yeah, so basically anybody that he did not strike out uh, hit either a double or a home run is more or less how it worked out, if I remember what the... Uh, yeah, he walked a handful of guys, too. Yeah, he did walk a few. Um, His command wasn't exactly uh, what it had been in, in his previous starts this season. Yeah. Um, they scored some runs and, uh, m- magically, uh, they did manage to, uh, avoid, they managed to avoid giving him the loss. I forget who got the loss in that game. Somebody got the loss, but I do not believe it was him. Um, was it Burr? <sighs> see, now I'm gonna have to go look. I don't remember who got that loss. I mean, it's just, uh, everything just kind of. Fades together. All right, here we go. Uh, ah, that's right. Joe Kelly got the loss. The oh, yeah. the inning where he could uh, how do I forget not, so soon? Yeah, he got two outs and then uh, couldn't get out of the inning, and then they left him in. You know, again loaded the bases again. Uh, TLR with one of his uh, you know leaving a reliever in the game to die. Um, you know, a guy that just came off the disabled list with, uh, you know, nerve issues in his bicep and, uh, just comes back from the, you know, the IL and, uh, just leaves this guy in there to die. Uh, seven runs end up scoring that inning and, uh, they lose 15 to seven. It was actually, uh, the, uh, let's see, they were, what were they down eight to seven? I think at that point, no, they were, uh, yeah, they were up. No, they were tied seven seven. That's right. They were they were tied seven seven, and then uh, seven runs scored in the uh, in the eighth inning in that game. Uh, so now Joe Kelly's ERA is a sparkling twenty seven point zero zero. Yeah, that, yeah, and you know it was just obvious that he didn't have his best stuff. Yeah, even well, I in, mean even in the two outs that he had gotten before yeah. that it. It was pretty obvious he didn't have his best stuff going. Yeah, he, and and I will say this: there were um, there were quite a few really really close curveballs, uh, those knuckle curveballs that missed by like an inch or two. And you have to give credit to the hitters on the Yankees for not swinging at it because those things were really close. I mean, a lot of hitters probably would have swung at at least a few of those 
and uh, may have ended the inning, and uh, they did not. And uh, you have to give credit to them. Uh, the next game was uh, Velasquez against Garrett Cole. I mean, you know, not good. Um, not what we had gotten out of uh, Velasquez in the last couple of starts. And, uh, you know, again, this is one of those things that we had mentioned from the very beginning that uh, one of the things that has always eluded Vince Velasquez has always been consistency. Yeah. Is that you will see that Angels game out of a Vince Velasquez where he is yep. going to look absolutely phenomenal. And it's going to happen a few times a year. And it might even yep. happen a few times in a row. But the thing is, is that that's not who he is. Or at least no, he's got how about great this? stuff. This is not who he has who he has been for his entire career, you know, like he hasn't been a shutdown guy for his career. He's always been a guy that's had problems with inconsistency and he has, you know, he does have a nice uh, power arm and can get some, uh, can get some numbers, but he's, he's got good stuff. There's no doubt about it. It's just being able to bring that stuff at a high level every game has been one of those things that he's just not been able to put together yet. And, you know, we as Sox fans, I hope that he can, like I said, you know, before when we got two straight, uh, two straight, really good outings out of uh, V squared before this Yankees outing. Uh, I was, I was saying that, uh, and I, I do believe I said this last stream that uh, it was a, a nice surprise to be able to see that, but I wasn't sold on, uh, saying that the whole cats will fix something. And lo and behold, uh, you know, the uh, inconsistent Vince Velasquez reared his ugly head. And uh, that was the reason why I wasn't willing to uh, quite go out on that ledge yet, you know, because it's just been something that if you look back on his career, it's there. Uh, you know, this isn't something new. This is uh, something that's been going on for a long time. And if you really wanted to find it, you didn't have to look very hard. No. I mean, it was, uh, you know, we watch him in Philly. You look right. at his stats from Philly, and you look at—I mean, all you—all you really have to do is, you know, you look at his end his end of the year stats. It doesn't tell the—I mean, obviously, looking at end of year stat line is not going to tell you the entire story. But right. if you look at his game logs, you will see huge peaks and valleys all season long. You know where his ERA is you know up for you know two starts and then it comes back down because he pitches a really nice game and then it goes back up a little bit and then it comes back down i mean it's just really really inconsistent and right it's pretty much what we expected and you know like you had mentioned earlier the yankees are playing out of their minds right now you know they do look like a juggernaut right now i mean granted it's the second week of may and I would much rather see the Yankees peak at a time like now and see them later in the year when hopefully the White Sox are finally starting to, uh, you know, like if we ran into them into the playoff, in the playoffs, you know, it would be nice if the White Sox were getting hot then, you know, just right. playing well enough to get into the playoffs and win the division and then get hot. And then that's when you want to see a team that peaked in mid-May who right. won and the majority of their games early. 
the other thing about the Yankees too is, is they've been a lot like the White Sox the last few seasons. They have kind of been bit by the injury bug a little bit. And, uh, you know, right now their lineup is stellar because they've got pretty much everybody they want exactly where they want them. Uh, you know, the White Sox have not been that lucky uh, for a few years now to uh, have that on a game-to-game basis. But, uh, you know, we're kind of hoping that now that the White Sox are getting healthier, that that could be a thing. And you never know, you know, the team could, could get healthy. It, there could be reason to believe that uh, if everybody comes in and does the things they're supposed to do, that, you know, maybe TLR might not have any choice but to play his best players game in and game out. And, you know, all this talk might be for not. But, uh, you know, history tells us otherwise. Uh, but, yeah, the thing is with the Yankees is they've been pretty healthy all season. So far, uh, I mean, we know how you know the uh, how Judge and Stanton, how they are, they just seem really susceptible to some injuries, and they've had the same thing happen like three three years in a row or something like that. Yeah, where they got but, injured. So. Lemayhew's lost some time uh, yeah, in, yeah. in the past. Uh, Josh Donaldson is another one of those guys yeah. who has a level of consistency uh, and can have the injury bug bite them. You know, uh, they got some bangers over there. Uh, they do. Unfortunately for them, they have a lot of the same issues the White Sox have been facing the last couple of years in the injury department and uh, inconsistencies as well. So, you know, uh, I'm with you. I hope that you're, you know, maybe this is a team that's hitting its peak and, uh, you know, say the White Sox find their stride and run off a bunch of wins and get themselves, you know, over 500 and more uh, would be nice to see. Especially, yeah. you know, I don't know how many times it's been talked about here, every other podcast, every other broadcast on television, you know, it only takes getting hot at the right time going into the playoffs for some teams to, you know, kind of find their way and cruise right through the playoffs and into the World Series. And really, at this point, the way things are looking with this White Sox team, that's about the best we can hope for at the moment because things really aren't looking good. Even when they are winning games, they're not looking good. They're, you know, we ought to bring back that 1983 winning ugly slogan because uh, even some of their wins have been pretty ugly. Yeah, that's uh, that is for certain. And uh, the thing, you know, the thing is, is that uh, we talked about this is that the one good thing that has mostly been happening here is that the the offense has been at least continually scoring three runs. Uh, they haven't been having any of those, uh, haven't, haven't been having many of those one-run games or getting shut out. I mean, that, that's been kept to a minimum. The unfortunate thing is is that they generally seem to have like one inning in them a game. And, uh, right. you know, like the, the unfortunate thing last year that we noticed a lot was that they would end up having like two innings in one game and they'd end up scoring like 13 runs. But then you wouldn't see another inning like that for another three or four days. And you're still kind of seeing that now. Uh, Just at least, you know, there's not too many of those one-run games, which is at least a step in the right direction, I guess. I mean, there's still probably, I mean, I haven't looked just because it's been pretty painful. Um, But uh, I have to imagine that they're below four runs a game. Uh, for this season, I would imagine. Um, yeah, even with a couple tonight. of off- offensive outbursts. Yeah. Um, so the game that everybody assumed that uh, the White Sox were going to lose, uh, Dallas Keuchel versus um, Montgomery. 
and uh, they end up pulling that one out three two. Another another nice outing for Keuchel, and uh, it's one of you know you know I, I I mean at this point like what do you say? I mean I at, at this point I he hasn't pitched that badly this year. Realistically, I mean he's still he's still allowing plenty of runs in in certain starts. Um but you know with competent defense behind him in a couple of those starts he at least escapes with like a, a less damage than uh was incurred you know regardless of whether well, earned runs unearned runs you know and I knew this I knew this conversation was going to come up tonight because we did see two uh two decent outings and and I'm only going to call them decent outings for a reason I'll get into that in a second but the last two starts from from Keiko, uh, you know, we talked about the possibility of him being DFA'd in the near future last week, knowing that uh, Johnny Cueto was on his way, and you know there was a few other moves that needed to be made. Andrew on, and you know Lance Lynn will be coming back soon, and all those things that are coming. That even in those two wins or two games that the White Sox won, uh, I think one of them was a no decision for Keiko, but uh, this past one. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah, he looked pretty good. Or I, you know, I'll just say he looked good. I won't say pretty good. The reality is for me, the reason why I'm still not feeling the whole Keiko thing is because he's still allowing base runners. A lot of them. He's getting out of innings with base runners on. He is. But he's allowing base runners. And to me, that tells me you're only one walk or one hit away from giving up those runs that you didn't give up in this game. You know what I mean? Uh, when you've got first and second with one out and you get a, you know, he, again, he's a guy that generates a lot of soft contact ground balls. There are going to be some double plays made and, you know, you talking about the defense and not really being there for him. But there are other times when a lot of those ground balls seem to make their way through a hole. And he was only one of those ground balls away from losing that game. No, a number of times, number of times where he's got guys. I mean, there's base runners on every game for him, even when he wins or even when he gets no decision that the the team pulls out. And that's really my biggest, my biggest issue. Even in these last couple of games, there were base runners. There were less than maybe some of the starts before this, but there were still base runners. And, you know, I'm not expecting the guy to go out there and give you a perfect game all the time, but I would like to see the whip come down. No, I don't know under one and a half before I even think about keeping this guy around for, you know, a a season, a a good part of the season. Because right now it's ridiculous. I think he's still over two. Yeah. He had uh, three walks and four hits in five innings. Um, So, you know, seven and five. So you're still, still looking at about 1.45 or something like that, or 1.4 or something. Uh, whip in that thing. Now, I don't know if you caught this or not this uh, this morning, um, but on 670, the score, there was an interview. Um, uh, Steve Stone was on, and uh, there were some comments made by Dallas Keuchel after his last outing against the Yankees, and he got pulled after 86 pitches, 50 of which were strikes, by the way. So, I mean, you're still only, you know, barely, you know, barely hitting 
55% strikes, which is not good. Um, but uh, he made some comments in his post-game interview that he was not happy that he was pulled after 86 pitches. And, uh, you know, I, you could say what you want about the uh, Steve Stone um, – the way that Steve Stone has been so far this year and uh, how he's pumping the sunshine and rain- rainbows. Uh, but he said, you know, if I had just had that game and I got pulled after 86 pitches and, um, you know, Kendall Graveman had come in and pitched two innings in relief and gotten the job done and that, uh, you know, Joe Kelly, you know, despite giving up a run, you know, he he did not have a good outing. But then uh, Liam came in and pitched 1.2, and the team ended up getting the win. I would say, and we got the win, which was the most important thing, you know. I went out and did my job, and the rest of the guys in the bullpen went out and did their job, and we ended up getting the win, and that's the important thing for the team, you know. And uh, the fact is, is that, uh, as Truthsayer says, he's not a team player, and that's you know, and Steve Stone was blunt about it that he uh, did not give a uh, a team friendly answer. You know, it was definitely no. a me first and the gimme gimme's uh, answer. You know, and um, you know we've seen this time and time again from this guy is that when something doesn't go his way, he starts whining about the defense. Or uh, not the fact that everybody's hitting everything that he throws up there or that he can't throw strikes and he's walking just as many guys as, you know, he's striking out. Um, doesn't mention any of that stuff. You know, he says right. that he feels that he's doing what he needs to do and that, you know, these right. guys should be helping support him. And, you know, it's it's always a me first thing. And, uh, you know, uh, let's see. Dallas has given up 22 runs in his last 15 plus sixth innings. Yeah. And that, that was also mentioned by stone is that, uh, TLR had said in the interview afterwards, uh, after, after that, uh, interview had been given by Keuchel and somebody had asked a question about that. He said, well, I would say that, uh, you know, once he gets past 80 pitches, things tend to go south. You know, the, the stats show that things tend to go south. And so that's why we pulled it. Yeah, no, it's it's always everybody's fault but his, you know. Um, you know, and that, you know, talking about how he kind of likes to point the finger everywhere but himself, you know, and not being a, a team player. You know, we talked about this in the stream, I don't know, probably a month ago or so now. Uh, where, or maybe even longer, I don't know, but, uh, you know, it was kind of, uh, leaked a little bit that, uh, Ethan Katz had sat down with Keiko and kind of, you know, they did some video and they did all a few other things and they showed him where he might've made some changes in his, uh, delivery over the past few years since, you know, he was in his heyday and, uh, you know, the, the rumor on the streets is that uh, Dallas Keuchel really didn't want to hear any of that. Nope. He kind of just he kind of just told Ethan Katz, like, hey, you know, I've been doing this for a long time, and I don't really need I know what I'm doing wrong. I'll fix it on my own. Thanks, but no thanks. And, uh, you know, 
we heard it from him in interviews last year where he said he said the same thing. I know what I'm doing. I'm going to fix it. I know what I'm doing. I'm going to fix it. And, you know, we really haven't had that. We haven't seen that. We haven't had the luxury of being able to see him fix it. And, uh, you know, it just goes right along with this not being a team player kind of thing that's going out there right now. So I don't really know, man. Uh, you know, I get why people are saying the Sox won't DFA him right now. Especially after two outings that the White Sox came away with wins and he looked a little bit better than he has in the, in, you know, in the early goings. Yeah. I mean, at least for mop up duty, fine. You know, like that part, you know, I, I understand yep. that. Uh, although at, at, at what point now here, here's a, here's a, an out there question. At what point do you decide that his personality is not worth, you know, the juice of his personality is not worth the squeeze of keeping him around despite him costing you money. Because I mean, it is fairly apparent to me that, uh, you know, this me first stuff is only going to last so long, especially when, you know, you're not getting much out of it. I mean, granted, uh, like I said, he's had a couple of, uh, couple of decent starts here where he's managed to get out of his uh his trouble innings um like at what point do they decide hey you know what this guy's a jerk let's launch him you know just yeah just a, well just a question you know we we talked about that with uh a certain pitcher uh i want to say it was what 2000 oh i don't even remember what year it is now but with john dinks when they let him go and he had a bunch of on his contract. Yep. It wasn't until uh mid season ish when that happened. Uh you know, I don't know. Uh I I realistically I think you know if Johnny Cueto comes out and does what he did tonight in two or three more starts and Lance Lynn is ready to come back off the uh injured list, you know, there might be some discussion at that point. But, uh, you know, the jury's still out on Johnny Cueto, you know, uh, you know, like it was mentioned in the chat earlier, you don't want to have to depend on, you know, 34 and 35 year olds to, uh, be the guy in your rotation when you're in the middle of this so-called championship window. And, uh, you know, I think the, you know, realistically, as much as I was calling to be DFA'd last week, uh, in reality, I understand why you would kind of have to wait to see what's going to happen with these other couple of guys that are uh, going to be pushing for spots in the rotation in the coming weeks. So, you know, it's going to be difficult to say, okay, we're just going to cut ties with them because Johnny Cueto came out and had a decent, uh, you know, late spring training and a one good start. You know, we're not going to just send Keiko packing after that. And we don't know what we're going to get back in Lance Lynn after him having it. So, you know, it is yeah. what it is for the moment. Yeah, that's unfortunate. I mean, I, you know, I've mentioned it several times. I was not a fan of the deal when it happened in the first place, you know, is what it is at this point. Uh, just kind of counting the days until he's gone personally. Um, so Sunday, yesterday, um, one bad inning for Kopech, more or less, uh, yeah, second inning inning with some, yeah, some walks and uh, just lost his release point. And uh, that ends up costing him the game, you know. Uh, that 
well, that and not scoring any runs. Uh, but also uh, from that particular game is that uh, um, the White Sox had zero walks, which, you know, Nestor Cortez does not walk a lot of guys. So that really shouldn't be all too surprising in the first place because he generally makes guys hit the ball. Um, but the other thing is, you know, eight strikeouts, no walks, uh, and they scored one run, you know, and that, uh, that one run was, uh, you know, whatever, it's a home run. So one, one mistake pitch and, uh, and Adam Engel ends up taking him deep and it was, you know, it was so late in the game already. Um, eighth inning. Yeah. So what? Anger that barely stays fair was hooking foul away, yeah. but uh, you know it, we can talk about that. But my thing is, is, again, it was a Sunday getaway, and in typical Tony Larusa fashion, I know I've been bashing him. A I tried to get away from that the last couple of streams. I'm sorry for being so negative and such a piss poor fan. <laughs> so but, negative, uh, you know. Here we, you know, everybody was talking, everybody and their brother, if you were on social media to the post-game show on Saturday saying, hey, you know, the Sox have struggled against the Yankees, but we can still come away with a series split in a four-game set. We can still, we still have an opportunity to split with this offensive juggernaut that the Yankees are. And Gavin Sheets had a couple of really big monster bombs in some clutch situations during that first three games of that uh that that four game set and Yohan Moncada was finding his stroke and hitting some bombs a straightaway center day off it was planned though it was planned so it's okay it's, it's a planned day off for Yohan Moncada and we're gonna sit Gavin Sheets who was starting to find his stroke a little bit but we're gonna go ahead and we're gonna throw out oh I don't know Leary Garcia again who's barely hitting 200 and uh, we're gonna leave every struggling guy in the line out there. And we're gonna we're gonna not only we're gonna put all these struggling guys in the lineup, we're gonna shake up the order and put guys out of order. You know, switch hitters and the ready ready garbage. I, you know, it is what it is. But it's maddening when you have hope that you can come away with a series split. And hours before the game even starts, the White Sox submit their lineup card. And the whole world, if you're on social media, gets us three, four hours before the game starts, and everybody goes, "Wait a minute, what? Are you serious? These aren't. We're not complaining about these things in game. We're looking at this three, four hours beforehand, and you're, well, there it is. Not shocking because it happens almost every Sunday. They're traveling. You know, we all expect it, but at the same time, you just hope. You just hope that oh, they're not going to do it this time." He's not going to do it. He's he's going to put the best players in the best position and the best order he possibly can. And comes out and you go, oh, Jesus, here we go. You know, <laughs> I don't know what else to say. It's here we go again, all over again. Yep, pretty yeah. much. Um, so uh, we were talking about this earlier. Uh, Team Babip is uh, 261, which is good for 26th in the league. Ooh. So the Babip is bad. But on the plus side is that their OBP is bad as well. And so is their, you know, so that's comforting, I know. Um, 
You look at the uh, OBP for the team. They are 28th out of 30. Mr. Hey. Doofus, Doofus, thank you for the follow. Um, you know, you look at the OBP. It's terrible. They're 28th out of 30. Um, you know, oddly enough, um, something that we probably shouldn't be really all that shocking is that their batting average is uh, 20th. So it's not... Uh, it's not technically bottom third. No, but that's because they're swinging at everything. <laughs> yes, well, there's that as well. Um, now, the... Uh, oh, come on. What are you doing here, bro? Um, they're, uh, the team's OPS, 26th at 639. On-base plus slugging is 639 for the team. I mean, it's it's just brutal, man. Slugging. Uh, that one is also... Uh, well, that one's actually not too bad. It's 20 seconds, so it's not terrible. Um, but uh, one of the stats that's uh, just abysmal that I was just thinking about it, and I was like, well, yeah, that uh, that's about right, is that they are 26th in MLB with 122 runs. I mean, they are just not scoring runs. That's basically what this boils down to, is that the team cannot score runs. And I'm not, uh, you know, say what you want about, uh, you know, guys slumping and whatever. Um, The Cincinnati Reds have 141 runs. Yeah. I mean, they started what, like three and twenty-one or something like that. Hundred and forty-one runs, and they have more than the White Sox. They have nineteen more runs than the White Sox. I mean, even if you know, like last year, where the White Sox were having you know a great game every three or four games, they were they'd still have more runs than they have this year. I mean, they they're not scoring runs. Um, They are uh, what was it Uh, twenty thirtieth in walks. You know, I mean, they are dead last in Major League Baseball in walks. 76 yep. walks. The best team, the Dodgers, has 141. Almost double. double the amount of walks that the White Sox have. And we're talking in the same amount of games, both 34 games. Yeah. I mean, it, that is yeah, it's, it's, insane. It's a pretty telling number. Yeah, it's a pretty telling number. It's, here's uh, a, let me ask you this. Yes. Oh, uh, go ahead. Um, no, no. Go I ahead. Just, I just have I have one more uh, interesting uh, stat that uh, that I thought was interesting. Anyway, is the amount of at bats. Now, normally, you know, obviously, a team that walks is going to have less at bats because those right, then turn into count. plate appearances, right? Uh, the White Sox are still 24th in at-bats. So not only, A, are they not walking, but they're still in the bottom third in at-bats. So, I mean, it's just it's literally like every single thing except for strikeouts. That's the only thing that they are good at this year. Uh, yeah. And you know the funny thing is, is I looked at some of these stats that you're talking about, yeah. and it's it's been a few days since I did, but 
uh, sometime, I want to say probably five or six days ago, might have been right after our, our last stream, I went just to see uh, where they stood with men left on base. And I was shocked to find out that they were actually fifth best. The problem is, is that there's never anybody on base. That's there's, the issue. There's the killer. So they're, yeah. they, percentage-wise, they were fifth best. But the thing was, was there was they're just they're putting men on base less often, meaning they don't have as many opportunities to leave men on base. Because I kept thinking to myself, every time this team gets guys on base, they seem to do nothing with it. But uh, yeah, so when I dug a little bit deeper, that was what I found. That it's just not that they're, it's just not that they're leaving guys on base. They're not getting enough guys on base to leave even more. So uh, I started to ask this question, and I, I I'm not sure. Uh, did you catch any of the pregame show before tonight's game? I did not. No, I was uh, so I uh, running run around. You know, so the guys in the studio were talking and. Chuck Garfine mentioned that, uh, you know, typically, or no, maybe it was Jason and Gordon early on in the game. I don't remember now. Mm -hmm. I'm losing my mind in my old age. Typically, uh, a team that wins a division, usually, it it was Jason and Gordon now that I think about it. It was the end game, probably early in the game, first, second inning, uh, wins 61 to 63% of the games against their own division. Uh, so, you know, generally speaking, that's six out of 10 games played against division rivals. The division winner wins. The White Sox stand at under 40% right now. And it would take a pretty good swing to get back to even 50% and then up beyond 60. So, you know, uh, I don't know. And in baseball, Gordon, I think, said the same thing. Baseball is a crazy game. It can change rather quickly. Yeah, but uh, unless these White Sox start beating the teams, and you know, let's be honest, the White the, the the AL Central is not the strongest division of baseball. They should be beating the Royals more often. They should be beating the Guardians more often. They should be beating the Detroit Tigers more often. They should even be beating the Twins more often. Yeah, as far as the lineup Absolutely. looks on paper, and they're just not doing that. They're not winning games in their division, and it's you know pretty sad that you know here we can talk about the Yankees always. He's, you know, came here and made the White Sox look stupid three out of four games. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, but the reality is they're not beating the teams they're supposed to beat. They went on that little winning streak where they bum slayed against, you know, the Cubs and you know, the Indians a little bit in the Red Sox. Yeah. But, uh, you know, reality is, is those you're talking about really a couple of bottom of the pile franchises at the particular this particular moment. So until you start beating, you still until you start winning games in your, and until you can get any, you got to get above five hundred before you can get to six hundred or plus. And uh, right now, it's just not looking good. Now yeah. we'll see what happens after the Kansas City series we've got going on right now. But uh, yeah, I mean these teams have been a thorn in our side for a couple of seasons now. Yep. And this year it looks even worse than it has in in the past two. At yep. this particular moment, anyway. Yeah, it's been a uh, it's been a rough. A rough start to the season. I mean, I can't, I can't sugarcoat it because it's been. It, I mean, we had this talk beforehand. I mean, this team has been hard to watch. I still yeah. watch. You know, I'm a glutton for punishment, I guess. 
Um, yeah, somebody in the chat earlier said that the team makes you want to put a gun to your head. You yeah. Know? Yep. Uh, uh, many of us defenders of the White Sox over the years and defend spouting off a little bit. We have done it here on the chat. Like, hey, don't worry. Better things are going to. We see things for what they are, but there's reason for hope. And, uh, you know, you kind of have a little bit of egg in your face. We can do a lot of. I told you so here too, as well. We could, I mean, but at, at what, I mean, at what gain, you know, I mean, what, what is there, what no. is there to gain from it? I, I guess like towards the, towards the end of the year, um, we'll see where all that stuff goes. And, uh, is a Pittsburgh series coming up for you guys? <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't think so. I'd have to look at that. Um, just uh, another stupid, uh, another stupid stat, which is not uh, also not pleasant. Um, but also take it in context of looking at what their record is. Um, they have a negative thirty run differential. That's. I, we're only how far into the season? Yeah, six weeks. If that trend continues, wow. I mean, I can't imagine that it will. Uh, no, it won't. Because it's or how about this? One of two things will have to happen: either the record is going to get worse, or the run differential is going to get better. Both can't happen. I wouldn't think. You know, um, well, no, actually, they they can't. You know, either one's got to change or the other. Either they're if if their record's going to get worse. Then yeah, okay. I guess the uh, the run differential could go up, but I mean, I just don't see that happening. Um, I see them at least at some point kicking into gear. But the thing is, is that you know the the, the Dodgers are at plus seventy right now. That's a hundred run gap, you know, in run right. differential. I mean, that's uh, that's substantial right. for six weeks into the season. That's like uh, right. t- you know cream of the cream of the crop to uh, bottom dwellers. You know, right? Um, and uh, the uh, the Orioles are a negative thirty-one. Detroit is a negative thirty-three. Uh, Kansas City is a negative forty-three, and uh, Cincinnati is a negative sixty-five. And they started three and twenty-one or whatever it was, and they're only negative sixty-five. So something's. Something's gotta change for crying out loud. Um, but yeah, uh, I just yeah. hope that it's not that you know these guys catch fire one at a time like it was in the second season where you get one guy that's on, and three guys, three other guys fall off. Yep, and then one of those guys comes back and another two guys fall off. And you know, it, it seemed like they couldn't all put it together at the same time, and yep. yeah, it doesn't look like they can do that right now. So you just got to hope that, yeah, something's going to click. Something, uh, you know, but I, we don't like, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I, I, there's probably a lot of people that listen to our, our podcast and watch our stream to think we're just negative Nelly all the time. And I don't want to be. I would I like something do. positive to talk about. I absolutely would love to be positive. I am such a horrible fan because I'm so negative. Blah, blah, blah. I don't know how to fan. I'm not a true White Sox fan. I must be a Northside fan because I have all these negative things to say. And reality is, is the, the only reason I'm saying these things is because we have been sold a product for going on five years now. 
<clears throat> we waited a long time for that product to come to fruition. It was the first time in a long time that we saw the White Sox tear it down completely. There was no retooling. There was no, you know, reimagining, <laughs> as one other team put it. This was a complete teardown of everything. And we watched the White Sox build this farm system that they hadn't had in a long time. And at one point was ranked the best farm system in baseball. Uh, it was in the top three for a couple of seasons. And we heard about all these prospects that were going to come up. And the White Sox were going to be in this contention window in the years 2020, 21, 22, 23, 24. 2020 was a bit of an anomaly. It kind of threw players didn't get a chance to play. So we pushed that window back a year. So we get into 21 and 22 and we're thinking, okay, here we go. And, you know, we're not seeing it. And so, yeah, we're a little frustrated. That's all it is. We're, fr we're not negative. We're just frustrated. And we're calling it how we see it. So I would love to talk about something positive. Uh, yeah, Please, I mean. Give we, me something to talk about. We have a Luis Robert 14-game hitting streak. Uh, longest in his career. Go. So that's nice. Um, I mean, there are some things. I mean, you know, the Cease and Kopech both, uh, you know, learning on the job and uh, improving vastly has been fantastic. I mean, there are – Andrew Vaughn's offense is improved, and we beat him up as a well. little yeah. season. Yeah, no, I will, for sure. I will gladly say that I have been yep. wrong up until this point of the season. Yep. Gladly. Yep. I, uh, you know, I figured that he could improve on last year. I just wasn't sure if he would or not uh, in Major League Baseball. I wasn't sure if he would need uh, a little bit of time of uh, extra marinating, you know, down in the uh, on the farm. And I'm happy to 100% eat that one and say, you know what, I was wrong. Absolutely, um, he has improved. Right there and, with him. Uh, you know, I mean, will it? Uh, you know, will it decline as the season goes on with a stamina issue? You know, that I don't know. I guess we'll find out. I mean, because uh, he's not going anywhere because he's been one of the best hitters on the team. And uh, I can't complain about that. Now we just need no. to figure out how to uh, get him on the field and not put him in left field or right field uh, or apparently first base. Can uh, he catch? I... <laughs> I mean, you know, he hits better than kidding. Reese McGuire anyway. Um, right. But, yeah, you know. Um, yeah, so I think that that's a, enough of beating ourselves up for the uh, for the week. Um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm sorry. You know, we we tried to, to be on a positive note for a little while. We tried. Uh, it, I got, you know, some of this uh, losing is getting the best of me. Yeah. And uh, I'm just tired of it. That's all. Yeah, I you know, I think it's getting getting to everybody. You know, um, I mean, you get a small reprieve tonight. Um, now hey. we wait to see what happens tomorrow because tomorrow's a doubleheader, and uh, there is uh, cease tomorrow. Um, now I know that TLR had mentioned before the game that he would possibly want to get Giolito and Cease both pitching tomorrow. Um, the only issue I see with that is that, um, you will need somebody to pitch later on in the week. So, I mean, I guess with Velasquez and now that you've got Cueto up, um, that now you have, uh, some extra starters innings to, uh, to eat. 
Um, but I mean, do you want to eat up two of your better starters on the same day against, uh, against the dismal Royals? Yeah. I mean, you're in a much better spot possibly to, uh, to sweep a double header, uh, if you pitch both of those guys, cause they both do pitch well against, uh, the Royals. If I remember correctly, I think Cease does. I know that Giolito is usually really good against the, uh, Royals, um, but, you know, I mean, we'll see what happens. Um, you know, I did, uh, I got a little um, a little tip from somebody, and I'm not 100%, you know, like uh, whether it's happening or not. It's uh, the person that gave me a tip before, and it 100% panned out, so I don't want to doubt the person. And uh, that could make for some uh, interesting stuff tomorrow if, uh, indeed, that is the pitcher that pitches in Game 2. Uh, I would be stoked and uh, really interested to see what happens. But... Uh, I'm not going to throw that out there without knowing exactly what's going on just because, uh, I don't know, I'm cautious like that. But, uh, you know, we'll see what happens, and uh, let's hope that uh, we see some improved offense and with the uh, the warm weather, so, so come the warm bats because this team's offense has been tough. And uh, I know that we could all use some positivity because uh yeah i'd say the white Sox need some big hitters to get the ball rolling i agree mr boofus doofus um let's hope that that happens and uh you know let's try and be positive about what's going on here despite the uh you know us uh being sticks in the mud and uh you know pissing and moaning the entire time um like uh my partner here, the Danny Miller, did say, we want something positive to talk about. And there are limited positives. Uh, there are a couple of things that are going right. And, uh, you know, maybe we'll maybe we'll uh, completely suspend reality and we'll only talk about those things that are going right in an episode at some point and just not bring up any of the bad stuff. Um, might be a shorter podcast slash stream. But we could do that. Um, but uh, I'd like to thank everybody that came in and hung out tonight. Um, thanks for the uh, five gifted doll steak. That was uh, very generous of you. We appreciate that. Awesome. Um, and uh, if you guys have not, uh, go ahead and give her a follow. Uh, she does. Uh, she streams uh, Call of Duty, uh, Warzone, and some Blackout stuff. And uh, I'm sure that there's probably something new coming at some point because uh those game cycles are probably running almost run their course here in like about three months or four months here so um i'm sure something new is coming as well and there'll be something exciting on the horizon um you'll even catch me in there all the time not all the time some of the time um so go ahead and give her a follow and uh we really appreciate you guys coming and hanging out in the chat and uh you guys did a fantastic job of uh, giving us plenty of uh, content to talk about tonight. And uh, we appreciate your guys' outlook on stuff. And we appreciate you guys coming here to uh, hang out and talk and, uh, inc- you know, include yourselves in the banter. It uh, makes the makes for this a nice stream and uh, interesting content. So we appreciate it. Um, we will be back next Monday at 9 p.m. Central Standard Time. And uh, we will continue to talk about White Sox. And um, 
I've got uh, a couple irons in the fire as far as uh, guests go. Uh, there might be some pop-up. Uh, you have a great night too, Pusher. Appreciate it. Um, might have some uh, interesting uh, pop-up shows in the near future here. Um, some uh, some s- team staff uh, for um, one of the affiliates, and I have been talking. Might have him on one of these uh, if I can prime away at some point and uh yeah should be some uh some good stuff on the horizon um thank you so much for coming and hanging uh my name is ian eskridge this has been white Sox daily live for my co-host the danny miller you guys have a great night and we will catch up with you guys soon thank you